All right, so we're going to be in Judges chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10. And if you're all there, I'm going to read the Word of God. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains, in the caves, in the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted so that they laid waste on the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Um, for the teaching tonight, I have decided to title it what we just read, um, <clears throat> But You Have Not Obeyed My Voice. And I have decided to break up this text into three sections. Um, we're going to be looking at, first and foremost, Israel's disobedience, um, again, because it is a common theme that we've seen in Judges. Um, we're going to be looking at God's righteous punishment, um, which is in response to Israel's disobedience. And then finally, we'll be looking at God's provided help. And so starting in verse 1, um, this is where we read of Israel's disobedience again, as we read this very common phrase, um, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And this is something that we've read Um, This is now the fourth time that we've read this exact phrase in Judges. And so there's been a clear pattern established that um, despite uh, the Lord's providence and despite what he's doing for them, um, they are continually turning away from him. And at the end of chapter 5, if you remember, after reading the account of Deborah, um, we read right before chapter 6 begins, the land had rest for 40 years. And so as chapter 6 begins, we can understand that this is kind of directly after this prosperous time for Israel, this time of rest, and we see that what the, what the people choose to do is they turn away from God. Um, in preparing for this, I read a quote uh, from Matthew Henry, and he said, the providence of God will not change the hearts and lives of sinners. Um, now this is clear exaggeration, as we know that only the providence of God can change the hearts and lives of sinners, but um, I think this quote is really uh, powerful just for us to see um, the true depravity of the heart of a sinner. Um, And we can probably all relate to this constant turning away from the Lord, even as He draws us in, even as He saves us and provides for us. We continually seem to follow uh, our own vices and desires. Um, Proverbs 26.11 says, Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And um, this is just so clearly seen um, in sinners, and in this case, in the people of Israel. Um, Now we read in verse 1 that as a result of this, the Lord 
gives them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Um, and once again, we see the sovereignty of God on display. Um, it is the Lord giving them into the hand of Midian. It is not just Midian in their sheer power coming against the people. Um, and a quote or a verse that um, I wanted to highlight just speaking to the Lord's sovereignty um, is from Isaiah 46, verse 9 through 10, that says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. And so when we see this phrase that the Lord is giving them to the hand of Midian, we can understand that the Lord has purpose for this and that um, this is his sovereign power um, to do this and to bring punishment against Israel. Now, <clears throat> I think it's important to get some context into who, this, who these Midianites are um, because it is relevant to this text and to this specific punishment that the Lord brings against these people. Um, an example of when we hear about Midian is in Numbers chapter 22. If you're familiar with the story of Balaam and his donkey, um, and Balak summons Balaam to essentially try to help him to defeat the Israelites that are growing in power and might. Um, and if you guys want to actually turn to Numbers chapter 31, we can get a more detailed description of kind of what happened with these Midianites in the past. Um, if you want to specifically turn to Numbers 31 chapter 7, uh, we're going to read through chapter or through verse 12. Um, we read, speaking of the Israelites, it says, They warred against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every male. They killed the kings of Midian with the rest of their slain, Evi, Rechem, Zer, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, the son of Baor, with a sword. And the people of Israel took captive the women of Midian and their little ones. They took as plunder all their cattle, their flocks, and all their goods, all their cities and the places where they lived, and all their encampments they burned with fire and took all the spoil and all the plunder, both of man and of beast. Then they brought the captives and the plunder and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest, and to the congregation of the people of Israel at the camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. And so this account we read in Numbers 31 is roughly 200 years before this account in Judges. And um, we read about these Midianites essentially just being utterly decimated by the Israelites. Um, they have been completely overcome, destroyed. Um, the picture is very clear that Israel um, just completely overtook them. And if you read more of that account, it is by the Lord's hand that they do this. Um, and so we can, we can look at this text now and understand that uh, 200 years later, these same Midianites are now in the picture. Um, and this is important to realize. Um, if you want to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32, starting in verse 21, um, we read as part of the Song of Moses, um, the Lord speaking through Moses on a way in which he is going to bring judgment against his people for how they turn against him. So in Deuteronomy 32, starting in verse 21, we read, They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger 
with a foolish nation. And so what we see here is that as the Israelites turn away from God and towards false idols and towards themselves even, we see that God is bringing about this punishment against them through a people that the Israelites would have likely considered to be of no people, a foolish nation that is now coming in strength against Israel. And we read in verse 2, And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, and because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains, in the caves, in the strongholds. And so we see this just punishment that God is bringing against his people. He says, if you're going to turn to those who are no gods, I'm going to punish you with those who are no people. And so we can continue reading the text and we will now get into um, seeing what God's righteous punishment against Israel is. Um, And so starting in verse 3, we read that whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Um, Reading through verse 4 and 5, we read, They would encamp against them, devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land as they came in. Um, and so we get this picture of this Midianite force coming against Israel. Um, we get this picture of, of an overpowering force, um, reading about they, came, they come like locusts in number that can't even be counted. Um, we read that the, these people are actually encamping against Israel. Um, so they're actually essentially setting up camp and bringing their own livestock, their own tents in. And whenever Israel would try to do anything, they were just there just decimating anything they wanted to do. Um, it says they they would leave no they left no sustenance in Israel. There was just nothing that Israel could even do during this time. Um, and because of this, in verse two, we read that the people had to make themselves dens in the mountains, in the caves, and they had to essentially retreat to the only place that was safe. Um, we read of these attacks by the Midianites, and these don't seem to be organized or structured attacks, but we truly just get this picture of an overwhelming force of um, people and just disaster being wrought against the Israelites. And we see God's power in doing this. Um, And we need to understand that, as we read in verse 2, that it's the Lord, or in verse 1, that it's the Lord giving these people into the hand of the Midianites. It's God that is actually empowering these Midianites to come against Israel. And it's important to understand that the power that God is putting on display through the Midianites is the same power that he desires to use for Israel and for their prosperity. However, because Israel turns against him, he uses that same power to come against them in judgment. Um, And the same power is what allowed Israel to um, reach the promised land to conquer these different tribes and nations. And we now see that that same power is now not for them, but it is against them. And it's so clear to see what the result of that is. It is destruction and it is the side that God is on is always going to win. Um, So we read in verse 6 that Israel was brought very low because of Midian. um, And the people of Israel cry out to the Lord. And so because of this judgment, the people of Israel have turned to the Lord at this point. And... um, We read in Psalm 145, uh, verse 18 through 20, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, 
To all who call on him in truth, he fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Um, And so in verse 7, we see that essentially as soon as the people cry out to the Lord on the account of the the Midianites, he sends a prophet to the people of Israel. And this is a very instant response to their cry. Um, We see swift action of God on display. Um, We see a God who is merciful, who loves his people, who wants to return to them, who wants to bring them out of this this punishment. Um, We see a father who desires repentance. He desires forgiveness of his people. Um, And so we can notice that his his quick response um, is coming to the people and, and he desires for them to repent. He desires to come to them. Um, before we continue on that um, and look at what God's um, response is to their cry, I think it would be helpful for us to turn uh, to Revelation chapter 6 um, to kind of compare this account of future judgment to this account of judgment that we read here. Um, we're going to be specifically looking at Revelation 6 verses 12 through 17. Um, We read, When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. And the kings of the earth, and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich, and the powerful, and everyone slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Um, So I don't know if you guys noticed the similarity specifically when it speaks of the kings of the earth, the great ones, the rich and powerful, uh, hiding in caves among the rocks. And um, there's clearly similarity here between how we see Israel hiding from God's judgment through the Midianites in this picture we get in Revelation of this future judgment. Um, And I think we can look at this and kind of contrast um, these two different scenarios. Um, First of all, in the scenario in Judges, we see that God is bringing this wrath against his own people that he has called his own. Um, And they call and cry for help and he comes and he saves them. Um, In this future account in Revelation, we read of the kings of the earth, the great ones, the generals, the rich and powerful, um, these people that have exalted themselves against God. Um, As he comes in his judgment, as he comes in his wrath and fury, as Christ returns, we see that they have nowhere to turn. They are hiding in the caves and the rocks. And their only option at that point is to say, um, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. Um, So whereas the Israelites and judges are able to actually call upon the Lord's name and receive salvation. Um, There is a coming judgment that is coming in the future um, against all who are opposed to God, and they will have no one to cry out to um, because it will be God himself um, manifested bringing that punishment. And um, so I just think we we can look at this and see um, just God's power 
and truly the fear that we should have of him and understand that this is a picture of a more severe judgment that is coming in the future. Um, and it is, it is reason for us to have a desire to share the gospel, to allow people um, and tell them of the, the good news of salvation from such a judgment. Um, but we can understand that as God's judgment is just here, it is also going to be just when it comes in the future. Um, and so now to kind of continue and look at God's provided help, um, we're going to be looking at uh, verses 8 and 9 now. Um, we see that the way in which God chooses to answer their cry. Um, we read that He answers their cry by sending a prophet. Um, and we read in verse 8, The Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and He said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. Um, so we read of essentially this method in which this prophet is speaking on behalf of God, essentially reminding them um, of the great acts done during the Exodus. Um, we read in verse 10, he says, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And so... Um, God is essentially speaking to them and reminding them of his good works, his providence, um, the ways in which he has allowed the people to prosper, the ways in which he delivered them from the bondage of slavery, um, and basically saying, why have you turned your back to me? For you now fear um, these Midianites who are no people, um, and you're so fearful of them, but instead you should be fearing me. I'm the one you should be fearing. And because you have not feared me, you are now in this situation that you're in. Um, and so we really see this kind of contrast um, between what the people are supposed to fear um, and who they're supposed to listen to and who they end up fearing because of their disobedience. Um, once again, he says, you shall not, he said, uh, and I said to you, I am the Lord your God, you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Um, and we read in Psalm 77, uh, verse 11, I, it's, uh, David says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. Um, there's power in remembering uh, the deeds of the Lord and remembering the things that we read about in Scripture, the, thing, the great things that He's done um, to preserve the Davidic line, to bring about salvation through Christ. Uh, remembering the deeds in our own lives is important um, because it, it is truly just so easy for us to turn away from God, turn to the things that um, we desire. Um, and just it's it's easy to just not look at him with the awe and reverence and fear that we should. Um, I want to now highlight uh, kind of this last um, phrase that we read here. Um, in verse 10, I'm just going to read one more time. He says, And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. Um, he's essentially telling them, you, you shouldn't have to fear the Amorites. You aren't supposed to, but because you have not obeyed my voice, you now have to. Um, and I think this, this phrase, but you have not obeyed my voice, um, is very powerful, and I think we can all kind of apply that to our own lives in a lot of ways, probably. Um, we do not obey God's voice. Um, but I do want to highlight uh, the one, the only one who ever truly obeyed God's voice. Um, Hebrews 10, verse 5 through 7 um, says, 
Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you've prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Um, We see this clear picture that the Israelites are not able to obey God's commands. They're not able to obey his voice. But Jesus comes um, incarnate as a man, um, saying, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Um, And so I think as we all, as we read this, and we read about the Israelites' disobedience and the ways in which they turn away from God, um, we can probably oftentimes, or we can probably look at ourselves and think of many ways in which we are just like the Israelites. Um, But we have power to rest in the fact that um, Christ came to do the will of God, and he came and desired to do that will. Um, And God is able to view us as fully righteous through Christ who has obeyed. And because of his obedience, God looks at us and he sees his righteousness. He sees his obedience. And so God is not looking at us as as he may be looking at the Israelites in this case. He's looking at us seeing Christ's obedience. Um, And we are able to rest in that. Um, we read in Hebrews 10, uh, chapter, verses 9 through 20, 19 through 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Um, we read about this confidence that we're able to have in Christ and this peace that we're able to rest in his righteousness and his obedience. And we can understand that God had a plan even in this judgment. Um, he had a plan to send his son in the future at, at the perfect time um, to die for his people. Um, God loves us enough to have sent his only son to die and become our righteousness as we look at this, these continual failures um, of the Israelite people. Um, so I think just some concluding thoughts. I think we can relate to Israel's continual disobedience. Um, we see God's righteous punishment on display. Um, <clears throat> we, see, we see him in his power, and we can't discount that. Um, Um, there's an interesting balance that we need to think about, I think, as believers um, between resting in Christ, resting in His righteousness, yet still fearing the Lord and seeing His power and His judgment um, and understanding that His judgment is coming in the future. As a final judgment, um, and we just we can read this account of the Midianites and see the power of God um, on display. Um, I think the final thing that I want to highlight is that the power that God displays for the Midianites is the power that we now have in Christ. And through Christ, the same power that God is using sovereignly to punish the Israelites through the Midianites is now for us. And we can rest in that power. We can have confidence because of that power. Um, And ultimately, it's by that power that we go into the world um, and we spread the truth of Christ. We spread the gospel Um, we bring people and give them the good news um, 
And so it's really resting in that power um, that allows us to do what we are called to do as, as Christians. And so I think I'm going to close there and, and pray for us real quick. <clears throat> um, dear Lord, we just thank you for uh, this evening. We thank you for just getting a chance to get in your word, um, to read about um, your providence, Lord, your sovereign hand and the power for you to do whatever you will do to accomplish your goal. Um, Lord, I ask that we rest in your sovereignty, in your providence, in the fact that you are going to accomplish your goal. Um, I ask that we look at Christ and see that your goal was ultimately accomplished in bringing him about, um, in saving us and covering us with his blood, um, allowing us to rest in that truth. Um, Lord, I pray that we see you um, as a powerful God who deserves awe and reverence, who we deserve punishment from, yet we don't receive, and it is such a marvelous mystery. Um, we don't understand why. Um, Lord, I just pray that we be grateful people. Um, we look at the one who has obeyed your voice as the one to give us our strength. Um, and I pray that we do not rely on ourselves, um, but do not take your gospel and the truth of our reality and the truth of Christ for granted. I pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.